episode 888. It's a disappointing time in Titletown following yet another Packers loss. There's a few performances worthy of praise, however. We'll talk about the good and the bad with Nathan Yankee of Pro Football Focus. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we'll take a look back at a loss to the Minnesota Vikings. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? There we go. Nathan, how you doing this morning? Good morning. I'm doing well. Trying to stay warm. How about you? Yeah, it is blistering cold here in Wisconsin. I just looked at my phone, negative seven degrees this morning. Um, So it's definitely cold here as well. Uh, But Nathan, we're glad to have you on the show. I'm doing fine. Um, uh, Let's start with this, Nathan. This past game against the Vikings was obviously a rough game for the Packers, but uh, we'll start with the good. Uh, I, I thought the right side of the Packers offensive line held up well after Jason Spriggs went down to injury. How did Justin McRae and Lucas Patrick hold up? I thought both of those players had the best games of their young NFL careers. Uh, starting with McRae, he did allow a couple of pressures, but he was never beaten too badly in the past game. And in the, and in the run game, he had a few nice blocks. Um, only once uh, did his man allow or get a tackle, and that was a little ways downfield. So, played pretty well in both the run game and the pass game, and uh, that would be a good game for anyone. But considering uh, how he's performed in past games, it was really good for him. And then uh, Patrick uh, doesn't have as much time to compare himself to, but uh, he only allowed one pressure in the game compared to allowing two pressures in each of his previous games. And then in the run game, he had did a nice job a couple of times. Um, on some double-team blocks, those worked really well. And then a few times when he was just asked to drive his defender down the field, um, that worked well for him as well. So um, it was a promising look for both of those young offensive linemen. Yeah, definitely, and especially considering Lucas Patrick had the club cast on his hand and couldn't grab with that. That's that's really impressive. Uh, Nathan, on the defensive side of the football, Kenny Clark had another impressive performance with two sacks. Can we sum up his season so far and how he compares to other NFL defensive linemen? Sure. Uh, Starting with this game against the Vikings, it wasn't quite as good as his previous performance against the Vikings, but he did do a very nice job pass rushing, two sacks, two hits, two hurries, as well as some good play against the run, too. So um, in my opinion, uh, his improvement has been one of the biggest positives for the Packers all season long. Um, in the run game, especially, he had 28 stops, which was fifth most for all defensive tackles, and he's only missed one tackle there. So uh, he isn't quite at the top tier of Damon Harrison or maybe Nadakinsu, but uh, he's really in that next tier of uh, defensive linemen against the run, so playing very well there. And then as a pass rusher, I think he's improved there as the season has gone on. And while it's not his main strength, uh, he does rank among the top 15 interior pass rushers at Pro Football Focus. So um, there's still plenty of room to grow there. So 
Um, while he might not be a top 10 interior defender quite yet, um, it's really only him and DeForest Buckner that have been near the top for young interior defenders. So it wouldn't be surprising if in the near future when uh, they continue to improve and other defensive linemen uh, start to decline with older age, that parks at an all-pro level. That would be really cool to see, and uh, I'm really impressed by Kenny Clark and, and, and agree. he His pass rush improvement has been uh, remarkable uh, from from last year to the, even the beginning of this season. Just these past few games, he's really stepped it up. Uh, Nathan, can, can we take a look at how well Blake Martinez and Jake Ryan have done against the run this year after what I thought was a pretty solid outing in, in the run game uh, this past Saturday? Uh, yeah, they both have definitely played well. Uh, starting with Jake Ryan, he had a huge game against the run this past week. Uh, he had nine tackles total in the game, eight of them being stops. So uh, while he isn't an every-down guy, uh, especially since week nine, he's been playing at a Pro Bowl linebacker level, not just due to his play against the run, but in coverage as well. And then when he had those couple good pass rushers over those games. So um, his 11.7 run stop percentage so comparing run stops to how often he's on the field, uh, that's been the best rate for linebackers this season. So he's been playing very well for given his playing time. And then uh, Martinez on the entire season, he's been a top 10 linebacker against the run. Um, 37 run stops, which is the second most for linebackers this year. Uh, not too many missed tackles, so that's been good as well. Um, he hasn't been quite as good recently over the past five weeks or so. Uh, compared to the earlier parts of the season or the middle parts of the season. Um, I wouldn't say that he's been playing poorly these past few weeks, but um, earlier in the year he would have been considered among the pro ballers. So um, he's just been average recently. But if you take the season as a whole, he's been playing well. Yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. Um, on the negative side, so we, we talked about the good here, Nathan. <laughs> Unfortunately, from here on out, it's probably more bad than anything. Uh, but the, the Packers receivers did no favors uh, to the offense with several drops. And, and among the worst was uh, tight end Lance Kendricks, I think. How much of a disappointment has he been compared to before he was in Green Bay? Yeah, Kendricks definitely didn't have a great game, had two drops, a lot of pressure, a few times where he was stood up on the line of scrimmage in the run game, so uh, poor performance all around there. But as the season as a whole, I'd say it's been a little disappointing compared to how he's played in the past. Um, prior to this season in 2016, uh, that was Kendricks' worst season as a run blocker before he was better at that. So um, you would have hoped that he would have uh, – bounced back after that season, but he's been playing about the same in the run game as he had them last year, so didn't show the improvement that we would have hoped for there. And then I'd say as a receiver, he's been about as expected. I know his raw numbers look a bit down compared to some of his past seasons, but a big part of that is just he hasn't been seeing as many targets as a Packer when he's on the field compared to the targets he would see as a Ram, and that's just because the Packers have a couple better receiving options there. So, Armani, per target basis, Kendricks has been doing about as good as he has the rest of his career. So, um, well, it's been a little bit disappointing uh, how he's played, especially this past game. I don't think it's too far off from what we could have expected out of him. Fair enough. Uh, Kendricks, uh, Nathan, Kendricks wasn't alone in dropping passes. 
Uh, Jordy Nelson didn't look especially good either this past Saturday. How much has he dropped off since the beginning of the year? Um, it's been a pretty steep drop-off. I know a couple weeks back I uh, was mentioning how he hasn't been seeing as good of targets, but in this past game he did see some good balls thrown to him and he just wasn't able to make the most out of them. Uh, he had five targets. He was able to catch three of them but barely had any yards on those catches and then dropped the pass as well. So um, over the course of the season he hasn't topped 35 yards uh, in the past nine games, which uh, the great wide receivers, which is what we considered him before this, are able to find a way to make uh, plays, even with subpar quarterback play uh, being thrown to them. So um, he really hasn't been playing too strongly. And then in the run game as well, this past game, uh, there were a couple of times where Vikings defensive back was able to beat Nelson and make a tackle. So over the course of his career, uh, blocking's been a, something that he's been decent at or a little above average, but uh, this has been his worst season there as well. So um, hopefully it's not the end of the line for him, but we've seen a number of wide receivers right around his age um, all of a sudden not be wanted by any teams. So um, hopefully it's not the end for him, but the end is probably near for him at some point. Um, Nathan, I got a couple questions about some young players on the Packers roster. Uh, we saw the Packers use Michael Clark pretty heavily for the first time this season. How did he do in his NFL regular season debut? He played in 28 snaps. 23 of them were pass plays. And on those snaps, he was fairly average. Um, what really stood out is how much he was getting thrown the ball. He was targeted on 40.9% of his pass routes, which is huge over the course of an entire season. The top wide receivers will on about 30% of their routes. So, um in a single game, that's a really high amount. Um, he was only able to get three of those nine targets, which most of those incompletions weren't his fault, um, although he did have one drop. But a lot of them were um, either more good coverage or poor throws. So on those three catches, two of them went for first down. So add up the good and the bad he had there, and that's about as average of production as you can expect out of a receiver. So um, when you consider it's his first game, playing at an average level is definitely a positive yeah you can tell the Packers definitely wanted to see what they have in Michael Clark that game and maybe we'll see more of them in the regular season finale but Nathan a similar question on the defensive side of the football how did Reggie Gilbert do in his first extensive regular season action um, as a pass rusher, I thought he was pretty impressive uh, he had two hits and five hurries on the game which is a bit uh, some of those were just clean up late in the play pressures, so those weren't as impressive. But he did have a couple of nice bull rushes against Mike Remmers, which worked out a couple of times over the course of the game. So um, I would say he was probably the Packers' most impressive 3-4 outside linebacker at pass rushing. Um, against the run, he wasn't quite as impressive. Uh, there was one play in particular where he over-pursued a bit to the inside of the play, which led to a nice Vikings run to the outside. So uh, for as much playing time as he had, I thought it was uh, positive for him as well to see uh, how much he was able to do given his playing time. Yeah, encouraging, if nothing else, from both Gilbert and Clark. Uh, Nathan, let's take a look at the Packers' regular season finale here coming up this weekend. Just what sh what, what should we watch for in Week 17 as the Packers take on the Lions? 
I'm guessing we'll see some of these young players we just talked about. So I think those players will probably be most interesting to see how well they do. But to pick one player in particular, um, Brett Hundley is someone that I'm really interested to see how well he does in this game. Uh, the Lions' pass rush isn't great, so Hundley should have more time to throw than he usually does. So I'm interested to see how much he can take advantage of that. Um, in the first matchup against the Lions, he was only under pressure on 11 of 42 dropbacks. Uh, when he wasn't under pressure, he was able to complete 80% of his passes, 10 yards per completion. So I'd like to see if he can build on that. And then when he was under pressure in that game, uh, he was sacked more often than he completed passes. So would also like to see if he can improve under pressure. But I think it'll definitely be interesting to see how he does starting against an opponent and then being able to face them a second time. Yeah, that will be interesting. And I do wonder if the Packers will ever see Joe Callahan here with just one game to go. But, Nathan, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us this morning. Greatly appreciate it. We'll talk to you one last time this year uh, next Sunday as we uh, break down the regular season finale. Sounds good. Thanks again, as always, for having me. And have a happy New Year's, everyone. Yeah, same to you. Take care, Nathan. Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com joining us here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment in my commentary on it. And Railbird Central, by the way, is brought to you by Beer Rock, Madison's forthcoming beer bar. Coming in the spring of 2018, now just a few short months away. I am excited to see you there. I hope to see you there in a very, uh, just a short amount of time. Uh, But let's get to the Packers news here. Um, seeing as we didn't have an episode of Railbird Central on Christmas Day, back on Monday, we could further recap the Vikings game, but I don't think I'll subject you to that kind of torture. Um, if you're listening to the show, you probably saw it and probably don't want to hear a whole lot more about it. Instead, we'll talk about the news that's happened since that time. On Tuesday, the Packers placed tackle Jason Spriggs on season-ending injured reserve. As you might recall, Spriggs suffered an injury on the first play from scrimmage in Saturday's game against the Vikings. We still don't know the exact nature of the injury, but we do know that head coach Mike McCarthy called it a, quote, serious injury, end quote, in, in Sunday's press conference. Uh, meaning that Spriggs has probably torn at least one ligament in his knee, and I'm guessing probably more. Uh, Spriggs was one of the two players designated to come off injured reserve this season. Aaron Rodgers, of course, was the other. Uh, Coincidentally, both players coming off injured reserve both ended up on IR. Um, Spriggs, we know here, started five games for the Packers, and, and you know since coming back and and showed improvement over the preseason although that might not be saying much he still didn't look particularly good um maybe at moments he did but if you look at over the course of an entire game you still see a a, a lot of room to improve yet now Spriggs still has to make significant improvement if he's going to be part of the Packers future 
And it's not going to make it any easier now that he has to deal with an injury and the recovery from it. Uh, the, the timing really couldn't be worse for Spriggs. Uh, could he potentially make it back in time for the start of next season? You know, maybe if the injury is limited to perhaps like one torn ligament, but even then uh, I can't see him taking part in the Packers off season program, uh, unless it was maybe just like a torn meniscus. And uh, I can't imagine that's the case of, if Mike McCarthy is calling it a serious, serious injury, uh, that would indicate it'd be more than just a torn meniscus or something like that. Um, if I had to guess right now, Spriggs is probably going to start next season on the pup list and, and you know, come back next season, you know, midway through the year, uh, you know, that, that I almost, maybe that's not the best case scenario, but maybe that's kind of like, you know, what, what you could reasonably expect. Uh, and even that might be too optimistic. So even if Spriggs is healthy enough, how effective will he be upon coming back? It, it's unfortunate, but this could end up being one of the bigger draft busts of the Ted Thompson era. I'm sure some people are already ready to label him that. Um, it, you know, maybe Spriggs could have rebounded had he not suffered an injury. But now we may never know because it's very difficult to see the Packers heading into 2019. We're talking about two seasons from now with Jason Spriggs in their plans. I'm not ruling anything out at this point. You know, that's going to be up to Jason Spriggs. But the odds seem incredibly long as they stand right now. Uh, And that's where we stand with Jason Spriggs. Now, the corresponding move the Packers made to fill out their 53-man roster on Tuesday was by promoting tight end Emmanuel Bird from the practice squad. To refresh your memory, the Packers signed Bird midway through training camp this year and, and did play for them in the preseason, although he made very little impact one way or the other. I couldn't tell you anything good or bad he did that sticks out, uh, although that's perhaps better than remembering something bad that he did. Um, of course, Richard Rogers suffered an injury against the Vikings. He had a shoulder injury. He may not have been placed on injured reserve like Jason Spriggs did, but there's a chance Rogers won't be healthy enough to play in the regular season finale, or even if he did, he might be limited or something like that. So that means Bird could essentially be the number two tight end on Sunday and would figure to see playing time if he, if he, even if he doesn't have all that much practice time with the first string offense, basically just getting this week to prepare him. Uh, I, I certainly wouldn't expect Emmanuel Bird to make a huge impact in just one game, uh, but it's nice that he's getting an opportunity. What I don't like about the situation is that Bird is closer to Lance Kendricks rather than Martellus Bennett. And what I mean by that, not not that anything Martellus Bennett did or didn't do on or off the field, but what that means is that Bird is six foot three, which is okay for like a flex tight end or an H back that's moving around the formation on offense. 
But but the Packers already have that kind of tight end in Kendricks. They need a tight end to complement Kendricks that's like 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", that can line up on the line of scrimmage, not to say that they couldn't split out or anything like that, but but they'll have to get by without that in-line tight end for one last game here, which they can certainly do for one game. But But this just goes to show you how high of a priority tight end will be this offseason. The Packers really need that kind of playmaker, and right now they don't have it. We hoped Martellus would be that guy. He wasn't. What I liked to see this year is I've said all along, like Richard Rodgers could be a number three tight end, and for most of the year he was, and then for most of the year I really didn't have much complaints because he wasn't playing all that much, and when he did, it was kind of what you expected of a number three tight end. So that's fine. Uh, he can stay in that role, uh, but expecting Richard Rodgers to be a number one, or, and and I think we've seen now Lance Kendricks is a number one tight end. They need somebody, whether it's free agency or the draft. However, the Packers do it. They got a get. They have to get a big tight end, and, and that's even more important if you know. Randall Cobb and or Jordy Nelson aren't part of the offense next year. They they need more playmaking pieces to this offense in general, whether it's a tight end receiver or whatever. Uh, finally, uh, the move the Packers made to their practice squad to replace Emmanuel Bird was by signing a player with ties to the state of Wisconsin. And that is wide receiver Jake Kumaro out of Wisconsin Whitewater. And it's not just a move for good public relations by signing a Wisconsin kid for the last week of the year. Uh, Kumaro was signed by the Cincinnati Bengals after uh, after going undrafted and spent the better part of two seasons with them, mostly on the practice squad. Um, where I believe he spent two years there in Cincinnati. He actually was signed, I believe, last season, week 17, so the last week of the year. He was signed to their active roster, although he didn't play. Uh, But so he has, was, you know, spent one week on a 53-man roster in the ML. This is a kid who's, the Packers aren't giving him his first chance ever. He's he earned that with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, we still don't know what he can do in an NFL regular season game, but he does have preseason, multiple seasons of NFL preseason action under his belt. Uh, and and what he is is he's a really big target for a wide receiver. He's six foot four, a little over two hundred pounds, I believe, and, and you know was really really good at the. Division three level. He was part of those Wisconsin Whitewater teams that won multiple national championships. Uh, I remember watching him uh, his senior year, I, I believe, in the, you know the national championship game or whatever, and and remember thinking to myself, "Wow, here's this Division three kid. He probably could have been the number one wide receiver on the Badgers roster at that point. Maybe not so anymore." But at that point, the the Badgers were really low on wide receiver depth. And I just thought, you know, here's a guy the Badgers could have used, and here he is playing 45 minutes to the east or whatever at Whitewater. But 
did a good job helping them win a uh, national championship. Um, so, so I, 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 you know, this is in a move for this year. <laughs> Obviously, he's on the practice squad for one, so he's not going to play for the Packers this week. All it is is for the uh, a chance for the Packers to get a look because at, the season's going to end after this week, and then they're going to have to make a decision on whether to sign him to a futures contract or not. So the Packers are just getting a little bit of a, a one-week audition here, essentially, to see what his talent level is, to see what his health is, because I believe he was at one point placed on injured reserve way back in, in training camp or something like that, and I believe he's back from that now. Um, but uh, that that's, you know... Uh, so there's a little bit more to look at that just meets the eye with Jake Kumaro, but a uh, talented kid, big kid, uh, fast for his size, and uh, we'll see what he's got and see if the Packers sign him to a futures contract in the offseason and give him a chance to compete for a roster spot in the offseason. Nothing guaranteed, just a, just a look-see here at this point, uh, but let's move on. The day ahead. All right, so... The silver lining from last Saturday's loss uh, to the Vikings was that the Packers have an extra day to recover uh, because they 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 had several injuries during the game. Uh, thus far, only Jason Spriggs was was serious enough to be sent to injured reserve. So we're waiting to find out how serious the rest of them might be. Foremost among them. Jordy Nelson. We talked about his performance with Nathan Yankee. We didn't really talk about the shoulder injury. But but back to the point here. The Packers return to the practice field Wednesday for the first time this week, and then they'll release their first injury report of the week after practice. Head coach Mike McCarthy will have a press conference before practice at 11.45 a.m. Central Time, streamed live on Packers.com on Wednesday, but it remains to be seen how much he'll have to say about the injured players before practice. So in addition to Jordy Nelson, who's dealing with the shoulder injury, the other players we're still wondering about who were injured in the last game are tight end Richard Rodgers with the shoulder injury, running back Aaron Jones with the knee injury, and strong safety Josh Jones also with the knee injury, And that's in addition to the previous injuries we knew about, players that didn't play this past Saturday, like Clay Matthews, Nick Perry, um, I'm trying, um, the Jari Evans, there's a handful of others there, um, Devontae Adams, of course, uh, still dealing with the concussion, so there's all sorts of players here, uh, obviously we're at the point where the Packers, just have to get through one more game, uh, you know, so it, it's not the biggest deal in the world if, you know, now that the Packers are eliminated that any of these players play this last week because there's really nothing on the line. But, you know, if they're healthy, if they're able to be out there, you know, uh, they got to play out the play out the end of the string here. So um, we'll see where they're at and see how serious any of these injuries are. Um, it, it's still possible the Packers could play somebody else on injured reserve just because they only placed uh, Jason Spriggs on injured reserve yesterday doesn't mean they couldn't do it anymore here coming up. So whether they will or not, uh, I'm not making any guarantees, but we'll see. That's what that's what we're watching for 
here on a Wednesday. And that'll do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us this morning. Thank you to Nathan Yankee of Pro Football Focus for being our guest. And uh, that'll do it. Uh, Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. Um, I'm Brian Caravu. Uh, on behalf of everybody else at Cheesehead TV, we'll see you later, folks. And uh, I leave you today with a song called So Far From Home by the String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya. Go. Pack. Go. Go.